Iowa everywhere. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jordan Bohannon. Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome to the podcast on Iowa Everywhere. Jordan Bohannon is in Las Vegas. He's convinced that it's rigged. You think Las Vegas is rigged? That's how rigged it is. It's like you can't even you, – you got to be ready to go in. I'm not one to ever say people should face offenses or go to jail, but automatic card shufflers, dude, they are that – might, that might be the most criminal of all. Like past referees, like that, that – this shit is unbelievable. I, I I kid you not. I played for maybe for me. I'm not even joking for maybe four minutes. And I saw 20, 20, 21, 20, 21, 20. Oh, and then the best part is, is when I have, when there is a bus car that the, the dealer showing, let's say there's a six showing and I, I got a nice 11, right? I hit, I get a nine solid hand, right? It's something you would think would win. Odds yeah. are in my favor. Flip a five, smack a fucking picture on it. It's unbelievable, Jared. And at this point, I, I think I think the casinos need to be audited. I think it's at the point now that the casinos are getting way too big. The towers are getting way too tall. The strip is getting way too long. And at it's, some it's point, the strip. it's the strip. That's the problem. If you were if you were talking about our friends at Circus Sports, this wouldn't be an issue over on Fremont Street. This, the problem I, is that you're at the strip. I, I have heard about Fremont Street, and I wanna, I wanna go, I wanna go there. I think, I think the odds, because well, what's blackjack? It should be, it should be like fifty-two forty-eight, right? It's like one of the higher percentage odds mm-hmm. in the casino, right? I think honestly, Jared, I think it's eighty-eight seventy-five twenty-five. 
in favor of the casino, whatever they do with these automatic card shufflers. I, I, I mean, I was, I was searching on the dark web last night. Like I was deep in the rabbit hole of conspiracies. Like, are they, are, do they know, like, are they censoring the cards? Like, that's how bad it was. And at this point, man, like, I don't know. I just, I know I'm not going to, like, you're not, you should never want to always make wins. money. Always yeah. yeah. You should never expect wins. to make money, but yeah. I can't have a little more. I can't play more than five minutes. I can't have a little bit of fun. See, I would it think that like they it felt like a they, chore. They want you to stay at the table. So why wouldn't they, you know, why wouldn't they mix a few wins in there for you? See, that's what makes sense. I couldn't even, I couldn't even sit at the table long enough, Jared, to one, order a drink and two, have the drink get delivered back to me. Oh yeah. The waitress comes the next time I take money out and put it back on the table. Oh, finally I see her. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. can I get a rum and coke? Four minutes later, I'm not there anymore. <laughs> Can't even get a drink. You're gone. You're gone. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh man. Well, you're out there for what? What's it called? The G League Showcase, right? How are you excited to play in that? We already played. We're done. Well, oh, you we already played. played. We lost okay. in the first round. We did qualify. We're the one, one of eight, or yeah, one of the eight teams in the entire league that qualified, but. We didn't play too well. I got I got a good amount of minutes. Played about fifteen minutes, so um, I was happy to start seeing the floor a little more. But man, there's there's some good there's some good players out here. Was it in like a ballroom? Yeah, dude. Or it's where... like we all stay at Mandalay Bay, and it's at uh it's at the convention center. It's like deep, like it's like hella restricted. Like no fans are allowed, and it's like in like a huge like ball, like not a ballroom, but like a warehouse. Uh-huh. Like, it's a pretty good setup, but. It felt like a little bit like AU days a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like a made for TV event, isn't it? Right. More, like, yeah. It's almost like a studio setup. Yeah. That's exactly. cool. That's the, have you ever seen like the overtime elite, that new league that mm-hmm. they, that they have, that's kind of the same way that looks cool. Just because I feel like they made it look cool just to try and make it like trendy, you know, yeah. make yeah. it kind of hip. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Like the showcase is a cool event. Like how they split up the G League schedule. Like how we there's like the showcase and the all the way up into now, and then the regular season starts technically after Christmas. So uh, I think they do a good job, man. I've been really impressed this year, like playing the G League and how everything's ran. It's a good organization, for sure. All right, well, this is just delaying the conversation that we need to have this week. You've been under fire uh, over the last several days since the news. Well, I guess it was, you know, rumors now confirmed news that Caden Proctor, the five-star offensive tackle from Southeast Polk, long committed to Iowa, decommits, uh, committed today to Alabama uh, as expected, getting a play for the Crimson Tide. Uh, People obviously are not happy uh, about this taking place, especially the fact that he was committed as long as he was. uh, And then to make this decision the day before signing day, uh, I guess what's your, what, what was your, what's been your reaction to this point? It's a weird situation. I will start off saying, I don't know how I am getting blamed for an athlete making money and going somewhere that is going to positively impact his life. I, I don't, I don't know how I get one, how that's a bad thing. And two, why, why is it my fault? Why? Mm-hmm. But like when McNamara, we get a transfer, it's, uh, do I get any cra- congratulations? I, di- I didn't see any applause. Did you, Jared? I did not. I did not. No. Yeah, okay. I was just wondering. I didn't know. I didn't see anything. But I do I do actually see where fans are coming from now. I will say this. I will take their side on this. If you think about NIL collectives and how much involved the fans are now, 
they're basically paying for some of these athletes to come to these schools. So I do understand from that, that aspect. However, I still continue to put the blame on these universities and the NCA because they have allowed these NI collectives to basically be ran by these fans and boosters. And they're basically they've allowed so much to be money. hijacked. They got hijacked. They got hijacked, which <laughs> there's still, I still don't see a problem. I don't see a problem if athletes are being asked to go play somewhere and people want to pay them, let them make money. There's, I don't see a problem with that. However, it was never intended for these fans to be so pressured to get these recruits. Cause let's, let's be honest here. These, these, the revenue that's being produced by these schools, like it's, it's way more than what it ever has been. Right. Like it keeps yeah. growing exponentially year by and it's year. Way, it's way more too than what they would ever be able to raise as a collective, unless yeah. it's like, Oregon, you know, and Phil Knight's going to give however much money, you know, hundreds, like a right. hundred million dollars a year or more for some of these. Schools. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, I understand like people, people have argued with me on social media about, I've had actually a lot of good debates. I do want to give a lot of applause to people because they have been really good on Twitter about debating with me. But a lot of people realize like the football revenue is not being put like brought in by the NCAA, right? Like the, it's all, by these schools, by those media, by these conferences, making TV deals and such. So the NCAA doesn't really see or hasn't seen any of this football revenue. So technically, like, you can blame the universities but for having to get to this point, right? But I still think the NCAA, since them being the power that they, are, they hold and having a monopoly, they need to come out and have some guardrails and saying uh, – like there needs to be some some stuff going on with NIL to make it playing field. There needs to be, you know, revenue sharing, like make it like the pro model and have them be that leader that they haven't been. And it says a lot about how they're directing the future of the college sports because they continue to try to fight against NIL and against revenue sharing. And it's, this is what's making it all worse right now. Yeah. I mean, I think there just are no checks and balances to it. You know, it, in the wild West and all that stuff, like that's kind of, it's become cliche, but it just is, it doesn't feel like there's a, I don't know. People call them guardrails. Like, I don't know what guardrails, like, I, I feel like that's kind of a buzzword, you know, but it's like there, it doesn't feel like there's anything that keeps someone from doing or like makes someone have to do things the right way. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that what they're doing is wrong, but I, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of uh, framework for how it should work. And so then everyone's doing something different and then it makes it to where the playing field in these situations is just, it doesn't feel level, you know, to, to fans or to anyone, but it never has really like been level in the end of the day, because if you look at it, you know, and I think that you said it well, that when you're making the decision for, for yourself or for what you think is best for you. Like you, you know, as a student athlete, like you have every right to do that and no one should be able to question that. And at the end of the day, it's not like he went and picked a school that is like not producing people to go to the NFL and win outland trophies and do all those kinds of things. This is the best place in, in the world to go and play, to learn how to be an offensive line. You know, like it, mm -hmm. Iowa's one of the best places. Alabama is the only one that's probably better, you know? And so it's just, it's like, there's a lot, but people immediately make it. It's like, Oh, it's about NIL. It's about NIL. And I'm sure that there are aspects of it that are about NIL, but I don't think that anyone should be like mad that that's that fact, because it's like, this doesn't feel like a thing where it's blatantly, like it makes no sense for him to go there besides NIL. You know what I mean? Yeah. And NIL really, I don't know why all the blame is being put on that. You said it correctly. Like, 
even before NIL, if this happened, it's nothing new. Like it's a power, it's a blue blood in football. Like it's the best, it's the best college football program in the country. If right. not the best, it's one of the two or three best, you know? Right. So like it makes complete sense why someone would want to do that. And Iowa is going to be, I still think there's a, they, they'll get more recruits in because of NIL and they're going to lose some. It's just how it is. It's how it's always been. Even before NIL, there's going to be recruits that are going to decommit and go to different schools. It's, it's nothing new there. I don't know why all of a sudden it's became so heated over NIL being the reason like there's going to be some outliers. Yeah. That, that they decide to go somewhere else for NIL. But at the end of the day, man, you have to think what's best for the kids. And I'd be willing to bet that, you know, one, I think I said this last week, if you're looking at NIL and recruits coming out of high school, they shouldn't be looking at the money first. Like it's a byproduct, right? So, yeah. So if, if they're smart enough kids and come and are raised correctly, they realize like that's going to be a byproduct of how well they do on the field. NIL should never be the sole reason why someone commits to a school. Now transferring is a little different because you've already established your kind of brand in college, but recruits, I feel like majority of recruits will do a good job of deciphering between the two. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I feel like uh, at the end of the day, like if Cade McNamara didn't like Iowa city, like he's not, he's not going to go to Iowa regardless of what they pay him, you know, and you can go make money somewhere else, you know, if you don't see it being a good situation for you. So that's where, you know, people say it's all about NIL or it's all about this. It's like, I'm sure that there's a, a lot of places that would offer people a lot of money to go and play there. But if you go there and you're like, I don't feel comfortable here. I don't want to be here. I don't feel like this is a place that I can be successful. Then you're not going to go there, you know, unless you're thinking about it from, from the wrong perspective and you're going into it for the wrong things, looking for the wrong, because I feel like more people need to think about, you know, it's like, it's not about what am I going to get when I'm 18 years old? It's like, what am I going to get for the rest of my life? You know, to how am I going to set myself up best to go and make, millions down the road rather than like get this financial windfall right now that could be a percentage point of whatever i'm going to make in the future if i set myself up the right way and go and do what i need to do Uh, yeah i I completely agree with that and that kind of goes along with how this has always been a thing too right i kind of want to emphasize that like even before nil this has always happened they're gonna Alabama is going to get the best recruits because of the mm-hmm. tradition and rich history that they established at that school. There it is like that. That has nothing to do with NIL, nothing to do with anything that people want to blame it on. Like you can blame it on under the table payments. Maybe they're doing that. Like, and it's even more in the, under the table. It's not as transparent as NIL is making it out to be, but has, this has been happening for years on end. It's nothing new that this has been going on a lot of this would be avoided if they, if there was profit sharing with the student athletes, correct. That was set out by the conference where, you know, not everybody's making the same, but it's like, there's some sort of framework for this is how it's going to work. There's a union that the players are coming to that are agreeing to these numbers at certain percentages for certain things or certain, you know, whatever incentives for different things. And if that was done and you made it more like an actual professional sport, then a lot of these issues would be resolved. And a lot of people I think would a lot of that element of what people feel like isn't fair would go away. Yeah. 100%. And honestly, like, to be honest here, you don't even need to have a union. Basically 
like you want it, you want it to be fair, but you have a model already that's been working in professional sports. Like 50% revenue sharing has worked in NBA and NFL. You let that NCAA come out and let that be the guideline and schools, you don't have to do it. You just let schools decide if they want to be involved with uh, revenue sharing with their school. Obviously it would be a smart move to do it because more kids are going to go to your school. Um, but I, I think that balances a lot of things out and you have that even, more even a even playing field for a lot of these schools. Again, the bigger schools are always going to attract the bigger talent. That's how it is. That's how professional works too. Right. Like there's golden States attracting unbelievable. Yeah, there's always going to be, there's always going to be someone who wants to play for the Los Angeles Lakers or for right. the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or whoever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, you can't make every single team, fair like life's not fair that's not how that works every recruit isn't the same like people are better than certain people they're gonna go to better schools better schools are always gonna same thing they're always gonna have the best recruits too so i think i think to be honest Jared, i think some people just live in this like fairy world where they're so like understanding of how everything works in the outside world but as soon as we start talking about college sports in that world like people like they lose their minds like, honestly, they lose their minds. Like when I, NIL happened, people were like, Oh, why should we pay these kids? Like they're not professionals. Like they, they it's a full-time job, man. There's revenue. This is a billion dollar industry. Like how, how do you make sense of that on the outside of college sports? But once we start talking about college sports, so many people lose their fucking mind over it. it it's, it's so college sports, man. Like is it's honestly, it should not be that this big of an issue, like controversy for these, a lot of people. I, and I don't understand it. I really don't it shouldn't be such this thing that people take like a moral stance on, you know, Yeah. it doesn't matter. What's it matter to you? What is it? What difference does it make if the kid gets money? No difference whatsoever. None. And that's where like, you know, people say, Oh, it ruins teams and things like that. Like there's the tweet, Fran for Schiller. We were, you know, I was going to bring this up. Uh, this was from, uh, last week. He said, quote, I am hearing that some talented college teams are starting to crack because of NIL payments, not being made on time. NIL promises, not kept or jealousy among teammates, not a value judgment on NIL. It's just human nature. The new quote, new, the quote, new normal, uh, that was on, on Twitter, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Cause I think that there's a lot of holes to be poked in, in that entire, uh, in really that entire statement. But I mean, the first thing, no, I want to come back to this one. The promises not kept or the, the jealousy among teammates, like jealousy among teammates is a thing that's been happening forever. That's always been a problem for teams. The how, when is that, when has there ever been a team that there weren't people who were jealous of someone who was getting more minutes than them. That was getting the ball more than them. That was getting uh, more opportunities to go and talk to the media or whatever it may be. That has always been part of the team dynamic. So to even conclude that in this thing with NIL as something that people all of a sudden, we can't get over it. That doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's so bizarre. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, how is that even a thing to be said about college sports teams? Like people are jealous and it's breaking teams. Like, first of all, if you want to be jealous, like you said, there's plenty, there's players playing more, there's players getting the ball more coaches are being paid absurd amounts of money. If anyone should be jealous, it's the players that should be jealous of the coaches. They should mm -hmm. be jealous of the coaches making all the money that they should be making. Like, and you have reporters like that coming on saying, and then you have coaches talking about it. 
like, first off, is that big of a deal, man? Like you need to reevaluate, reevaluate your life and how like you look at college sports because this doesn't, like, it, if you look at it from a non-biased scope, how does that even make sense that teams would be jealous? And that's it. That, like that, that, this whole like argument that people have regarding that jealousy makes absolutely no sense because that has always been a thing. And at the end of the day too, if your teammates with someone and you really have their, have their back and you're their brother, you're happy for them. You're not jealous of them. You're like, yeah, you might sit there and say like, well, maybe I should get a little bit more too, but that doesn't that's not meaning that you're jealous of them. You know, it's just uh, like, I, you start to understand what your value might be. You know, I feel like that's just part of the game. Like what, how is that not part of just being a teammate? You know, isn't that, I mean, if you're one of your teammates is making money from NIL, are you jealous of them? You know, shouldn't it be if you have a great team, no. like, and it, if you look at it a pro from a pro aspect, like the pro teams, I'm sure as all there's people that are jealous that they sign max contracts on their, like Steph Curry signed a max contract. There's probably someone in, in the NBA that's jealous of it, but they know that he there's nobody it. You think there's nobody who's jealous of the fact that LeBron James has a lifetime deal worth a billion dollars with Nike. Every person on the planet is jealous of LeBron James having a lifetime deal worth a billion dollars with Nike. Everyone. That doesn't mean that it would get in the way of the fact that they think that LeBron James is a good person or whatever, or like would want to play basketball with them. You know, that's just like, that's just crazy to even throw that out there. And that's like, it's like I said, like, these are things that have always been there. They're just like, it comes from a different Avenue now that all of a sudden could be, you know, thrown a wrench into things. And if you're worried about that, then like you're probably someone that you, most people wouldn't want to play with anyway. It's just like athletes making money. I don't know why it's such a polarizing issue. Like people get so butthurt about it and it gets so political. Like all of a sudden we start talking about players getting paid. Like I, I, it just, it blows my mind. But as soon as coaches sign million dollar contracts and it gets increased every single year, coaches are making a hundred thousand dollar bonus for winning 20 plus games in a season. Like no one talks about that. Like, but mm-hmm. once we, once we split that Avenue with players, like we have reporters tweeting stuff like that. Coaches come out, you know, saying stuff about kids and you know, there's cheating happening, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I really, I, this has always been an issue for me when I advocate for college athletes, because there's just some people, man, I just, it, it, it's really hard to have a direct dialogue with them and be respectful. Uh, the idea of NIL promises not being kept again, this is like anybody who thinks that promises not being kept is a new issue in college athletics has never heard of recruiting or doesn't know how the recruiting pitch works because that's like literally basically every recruiting pitch from I bet 75% of college coaches is some sort of promise of something, you know, whether that, you know, every coach is going to give you the the cliche bullshit. You got to come in here and earn your spot and you're not going to get handed anything or anything like that. But like, come on, man, like we know how this stuff works, you know, and you know why so many kids go on the transfer portal? Because a lot of them get there and realize that what they were pitched and what they were promised is not what they got. So they go and find a new place. And that's just part of the game. Like, that's just what it is. But if people are making a deal for NIL and things like that, and there's not paying people then after that, that's really disappointing because that's the adults in the room showing exactly what I told you last week, where I said that I wasn't 100% sure that I feel like a lot of these adults are in this 
for more than just their ego. They're not in it because of the athletes. They're not in it to do anything more than fuel their ego of putting their money out there and saying, Oh, we're going to pay this person, however much money to go to our school. And then, uh, they're not actually going to follow through on it because it wasn't really about that. Anyway, it was about making a splash and making themselves sound like they're doing something on the recruiting trail again. And this is like what recruiting is. Yeah. You have to be naive to think that like broken promises has never been like, it's just becoming a thing now with NIL. Like you think about it. I, mean, I, I always use, I, I keep using this example, but coaches being paid all this amount of money, like they have a lot more power. They have a lot more leeway. Like they can come out, go out and get the better recruits, go to the houses and pitch all these great promises. Right. But as soon as like these promises are made, they or as soon as they're made and then they're broken, these athletes want to find somewhere else, which, you know, it's, it's, that's life. Like that happens. Like it just doesn't work out in some places. But the avenue that we're talking about, okay, as soon as the athlete has a broken promise and they want to go somewhere else, now it's a problem that athletes, that they have an opportunity to go somewhere else and they shouldn't be. They should stick it out and play play with that coach that, you know, maybe he didn't work as hard, but also maybe the promises weren't made. Mm-hmm. And they and people want to be political about an athlete wanting to stay there for four years and tough it out and, you know, pull up his bootstraps and get after it. Like I understand that mentality, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of broken promises that's been happening for hundreds of years, ever since the dawn of college sports, all this, the same shit that's happening right now that everyone is blaming NIL on the, the birth of college sports. When that happened, that's when everything else happened that we're talking about still today. And at the end of the day, who put the team together? The team didn't yeah. work. The team's not working. It's not gelling the way that you needed to who built the team. The coaches did, you know, they're the ones who brought the, the guys together that put the teams together that, you know, what, whatever it may be with the NIL, obviously they probably weren't directly involved with any of that, but you know, they're the ones that it's your job to get the team and make sure that all of these things are going to work and that everybody's going to be cohesive. That's one of the, that is probably the biggest part of being a, a college coach. Is there, I don't know what bigger job there is. It's that's putting your culture in place. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you are as a college edge coach is being that, that culture builder, that guy that is, is the rock of the program. And then that's where it's like, if your team is volatile and your team is, especially to the extent that this might be what's breaking them down, maybe that is more a reflection of what's going on with the coaching than it is anything else at the end of the day. And we saw that with Underwood too. I don't know. Like, I don't, I think we talked about it two weeks ago when that happened and, uh, he, the, he said the lack of leadership from his players when they lost to Penn state referring to that. And that's exactly, that's a perfect example for what, what you're alluding to Jared. is you're being paid millions of dollars. Like it'd be a different scenario if these players were professionals already and they got, you know, some sort of the pie that they're creating for these schools. But man, like when you come out and out the players, like you're, that's literally your job, man. Like to be that leader, to lead those players and, like if there's problems with NIL on your team, like you can't blame NIL for that. You can't come out and say my team is broken because of NIL. My team is broken because of transfer portal. Like you're being paid millions of dollars. Like I'm not even just talking about Underwood. There's any coach that because there's been numerous coaches that come out and have said some stuff, and reporters have said some stuff about their teams. You're if you're getting paid that amount of money, you should be worth it. Like you should be able to figure out some little boo boos on your team that mm-hmm. literally that should that is not that big of a deal. Have a hard conversation. 
sit down and have a hard conversation with. So you're the adult, like you're the leader. That's your job. If you got two guys on your team that are, that have beef or whatever it may be, like, isn't your job to sit them down and say, Hey, we got to figure this out for the good of the team. You know, that's your, that's literally what the coach is there to do. You're the adult, make them be like, show them this is how it's supposed to be. It's about being a leader and all these kinds of things. That's what it takes, you know, and to not do those, that's, to then just like swing that immediately around on the players who are the ones that are being taught. Like they're not, they're the students. They're not the ones that are the teacher in this situation. You know, that just, it doesn't make, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes I'm just like, man, I don't know. Like the programs need to look inward more often than what they do a lot of times with a lot of these problems or the coaches, I mean, more than the programs and not put it so much on the players. Sometimes it's just, sometimes things are just dysfunctional, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, you know, when I was in school, like I could tell you right now, why was my team bad that I played for? Because everything was dysfunctional with our program. Everything there, everything was, was weird, you know? And it just was one of those deals where like, it's you go to practice in the morning or in the afternoon and you're like, man, what kind of crazy shit is going to happen today? And then we will lose the games every time, you know? And it's like, it's not because we weren't, didn't have any talent. It's because we had not like, it's just like nothing is cohesive, you know? I, I think know. that's a main, that's a main concept too. Kind of, I feel like what we're both getting at is just a lack of leadership, not only with these teams, but just with the NCA as a whole. I mean, we have a, the college sports landscape. I mean, we both obviously know this, but, it, it is not a mature group of individuals. I mean, we look at coaches, recent headlines, like domestic abuse, sexual harassment, um, like waivers being blocked by the NCA. Like we can, we can bring up hundreds of examples just from this past year, you know, players dying in workouts. Like there is a severe lack of leadership from not only the NCA, but lack of maturity. I want, I guess I could want to say more instead of lack of leadership and a lot of lack of maturity, not only from the NCAA, it stems from the coaches from these programs, man. Like they get paid all this money. Like they could be great coaches, but they want to preach lack of leadership on their teams. They want to preach lack of maturity on their teams. Majority of these like programs, it starts with these coaches, man. And there's issues that they aren't looking inward. Like you're talking about that. They're, they have problems with their own families. They have problems with their own you know, individual selves, like they, they need to figure out before they can preach maturity and that. And I think that causes a great root of the problems with not only looking at it as a coach's aspect, but the lack of maturity from the NCA as well. Yeah. And I think, uh, man, you don't hear like Bill self talk that much about needing more leadership from his team. Like, I mean, I'm sure you do sometimes, but it's just like, you don't ever hear him come out and say like, man, we got no leaders in the locker room, you know? Like, I don't feel like the really good coaches you feed you one, you're not going to see them throw their team under the bus like that. But then two, that again, that's their job is to foster that within and foster that environment to build that. And it just is, I don't know. The, that tweet from Priscilla was very much just like old school coach carrying water for other old school coaches to me, you know, very much uh, barking at cloud type of, or yelling at clouds type of situation. And it almost felt like what we were talking about last week. Like it goes perfectly about how some of these reporters, like I'm sure I've, I've never talked to Fran, um, like on a personal level, I've been interviewed by him a couple of times, but man, like this is exactly what we're talking about with some reporters. Like it's almost like they're like, it, it, what are you accomplishing with this? Like, are you helping the, like, there's nothing 
reason to even tweet that or say something about that is like, is he trying to make a, a note to one of his friends that is a coaching on in the coaching world that their team is struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think it was like a perfect segue into what we were talking about last week. Yeah, for sure. And then it was made even better uh, today by uh, Pat Narduzzi who tweeted or who t- said, I'm not sure 100% sure where he said this, but uh, on a radio station, he's heard two schools offered UNC quarterback Drake May $5 million to transfer. He wouldn't say who, but he knows who. Uh, and then he quote, he said, quote, it's sad. It's a sad, sad deal. Uh, I don't know of another industry where someone working hard and earning $5 million is a bad thing, but according to Pat Narduzzi, college sports is the only one of them or is one of them, I suppose. What's so funny about this. If, okay. If you think there's like, I don't know his extent on this comment that he made in the interview, but if he thinks there, there's a legal wrongdoing or there's something wrong with that or whatever, like, reports the nca man like you literally it's like a part of the like nca handbook like if you see any wrongdoing like report to nca like tell them what's going on like obviously he doesn't see this as being like a legal problem then so like what even is the point of saying something to have a player make all this money you know what's sad what's sad is if a a drug dealer makes five million dollars selling fentanyl that's what's sad that is sad a quarterback making five million dollars to go and sling the rock around is not sad it's not sad. It, like, it, whether you like it or not, or whether you think that that quarterback is worth it or not, somebody does and they want to give him the money. And that's all like, that's nobody else's problem. And it doesn't affect anybody else. Unless I guess you're a North Carolina fan, which in, in which case, if you care that much, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And that's the fairy tale we're talking about. Like on this show, once college sports in the world, like it's just a fairy tale world and he's going to complain about that. All right. Let's sad. What we were talking about sad, sad world. Like that's a great example. Well, you, you did too, but let's talk about one in the college sports world. The fucking coaches just having exponentially increasing their salary while the student, while the college athletes say the same. And you're going to complain about athlete finally deserving money that people want to pay them. Like, I think it's pathetic and it, it's, it's down to the immaturity that we, that I was just talking about. And, it's that that's sad that that that's that's what i think is really sad why would and i can't imagine why people keep transferring away to like it shocks me that people don't want to play for pat narduzzi you know like why would you want to why would you want to play for someone in this in 2022 anybody who takes that kind of approach why would you want to play for them yeah there's no reason and i i do i do want to point this out too because kind of goes along with fran had a uh, press conference that he was talking about um, college athletes getting paid and such. And uh, I can't remember what the reporter asked, what, who the reporter asked the question to, but he, you know, he was perfect about it. He was like talking about like college, college athletes deserve to get paid. Like it's been far too long. Like it's just the world we live in now. Like that's how you should handle it. Like you should not want to revert back to something that is illegal. And hopefully the NCAA is charged for what they've been doing for these athletes for hundreds of years for, for what they've been controlling with their monopoly. But that's how you should handle as a coach, like moving forward, like go along with the needle. Don't try to push the needle back. What does that do for your program? Not only is that hurting your program, it's hurting your team too, by saying stuff like that. Yeah. It just is it's just a weird time, man. It's just a weird, it's just a weird time. And I, I think it, a lot of the, uh, 
anger and angst about it just comes from change. People just don't like change. You know, they've been told that something is bad for a really long time. So they're just convinced in that, in their mind that that thing is bad, even though in reality, it's not a big deal whatsoever. Yeah. That, no, that's a great example. And, but yeah, I mean, it's the same thing I have been saying is that a fairy tale once called a sports is brought about everyone just loses their minds on and for whatever reason like college athletes being paid some sort of money is downright criminal to a lot of people and that i'll never understand their those guys arguments it, it just doesn't it doesn't anyone that has common sense it just doesn't make sense to them and nobody should be on twitter tweeting at people telling them like being mad at people for uh doing what they think they should do for themselves you know that it doesn't, it doesn't impact you at all. It is like it's bizarre. Just, it's yeah. almost bizarre. You think about it. Like you have, you have people on Twitter. Cause I think it happened with, was it Hunter when he transferred out of, uh, Iowa state to go to Texas, right? Yeah. Tyrese, it's yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of the same like situation. If you think about it. like people, cause I want to play both sides of it here. Right. Like I was like talking about like wanting Proctor to go to Iowa, which makes sense. Cause you're a fan of the team, but like it's almost it's it's bizarre you to think about. Disappointed, like, you can be disappointed. Right. He's not going to play yes. for your team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can't be controlling like on both sides. Iowa State was controlling like Hunter should have stayed. Like blah blah blah. That was his best situation to stay in Iowa State and and play for the Cyclone and Iowa too. Like Proctor, why would he leave? Like he's hometown kid. He, des- he deserved to put the black and gold on. Like it's not your right. Like you can say obviously it's your right to say that, but it's not. It's bizarre to think about it. Like you want to control a kid's future because you're such a fan of a team mm-hmm. like, it, it's kind of it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre dilemma again I, it like it's okay to i feel like it's okay to be disappointed you know you can oh, be yeah. just, you can be sad but it's like there's nothing it's, there's no reason to be angry about it the guy was gonna leave in four years anyway three four five years whatever it's gonna be it's not like he was gonna be around forever you know mm-hmm. it just is like it's just one of those things i just i don't know People come and go college sports. Like people just come and go, you know, you can't hold on to it at that point. Do you get angry about it? It's just not even worth Like I work in this, in this stuff. And I can tell you, it's not worth that, you know? Yeah. I think and it'll kind of go back to what we were talking about first. I think once there's some power shift from the NCAA towards these athletes and giving them more leeway with revenue sharing and having a little more playing level playing field with, how NIL is handled state to state, I think it will provide a little more transparency because at the end of the day, like these athletes making all this amount of money, like people want to say it's crazy. Like what they're being made now, it's, it's only going to go up. Like we're only at the day one of this, of day 365. Like it's, it's not, it's only going to continue and increase and people are going to continue to watch college sports. I hate everyone saying as soon hey. as athletes get paid, it's going to ruin the integrity of the game, bro. You're going to tune on your TV every Saturday and you're going to watch college football. I don't care whether they're making $5 million or $10 million, $15 million quarterback. You're going to tune in and watch that fucking team play. You know how we know? Cause how many people fucking watch the NFL on Sundays? Millions. Millions. millions more than more than people watch college football <laughs> a lot more than people watch college football and if people want to d- debate that too just look at the numbers and the viewership not only for 
college basketball currently going on, college football that happened, NFL. The numbers are going up. They're still yeah. going up. Like People it's are just getting to- more and more interested. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's up in arms in this. While meanwhile, Courtney Green and Jim Beheim still have jobs. Why, why can't we get in, in uproar about something else? Got a great point. Uh, he, Jim, yeah, he did kill someone. He still has a job. And you brought up a good point. I did not know about this. That he I completely this forgot about this, too. Yeah. Mr. Coach that had sexual allegations accusations against him or something. I don't yeah. know the extent to it. I don't uh, want to speak on it, but it was allegations of uh sexual assault against two Syracuse ball boys at one point. This is like 10 years ago. The Bernie Fine story. Anybody out there who is interested in that, you can look that up. And it's uh I mean it's not like Jerry Sandusky, but it's like Jerry Sandusky light, you know. The type of thing that in 2022, even just like 10 years later, which it doesn't seem like that long. 10 years later, you're getting your, your ass is being fired. Like 100%. Right. There's 0% chance. I think that any coach is getting through that. But that, that's what's so funny. Dude. Especially like, one that's as old as Jim Beheim. Like it was like 10 yeah. years ago that they were going to, that they made Mike Hopkins or whatever, the coach in waiting there. And it's funny. We're this, this is like perfectly for whatever thing we're talking about, because it, like we have guys like that, like are hiring coaches that are sec- there's sexual allegations against them. And, they really want to talk about maturity and, and leadership, lack of leadership. It goes perfectly everything we're talking about. Another example. Like, how are you going to have guys like that run a program and expect to grow young men and expect them to want them to have a great future when you have guys like that in your program? And you're hiring them for millions of dollars. And don't get me wrong, man. Like there's always going to, you know, people say there's always bad apples. Like there, yeah, yeah, there's always in every group of people, like there's going to be bad people, but there are so many basketball players again like i think i said this last week there's so many basketball coaches on this planet you know i don't understand why people are so convinced that they have to keep these particular ones it's like there's so many coaches out there you know you got to find a new one there's going to be another new one however many days like in a couple years like if that's just how it goes it's just that we get new basketball coaches and yet people like defend them to the point of where even if your coach has a long-time assistant has uh allegations like this you keep your job for another 10 years yeah. and you and you kill someone and you kill someone you did send that youtube video too i, I that was the first time i watched that oh yeah the applause yeah he got a standing ovation i for, i completely forgot that they played duke that next game it was his, his so it's his good friend mike krzyzewski i can't i wonder how coach krzyzewski felt coach k i wonder how he felt when the spotlight wasn't all on him going to the carrier dome his friend jim got the spotlight it's crazy like if people that are listening if you go on youtube and watch the video dude i because i i knew that they there's like an ovation and stuff but i never actually watched the video of it it is insane it's if a you standing think about, like, ovation a standing bro, ovation yeah i laughed like i feel obviously i feel bad for the guy that died and the family. right like don't and don't get us wrong like we know that it was an accident like we understand it's yeah. an accident, but it just is wild to think about however many years later yeah but like as soon as like you win games though and you're like a public fear like that people forget it like they don't care they don't care about the sexual allegations that happened with the assistant coaches. They don't care. As long as you're winning basketball games, who cares? I thought it was funny too. I saw a tweet or something from, I think Jeff Goodman was quoting somebody's tweet or something like that, or saying something about how Roy Williams goes to all these North Carolina games and he hadn't seen coach K at a single Duke game. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, this is what, like, this is what shows you the difference between Roy Williams and coach K. I think Roy Williams is awesome, dude. I love coach K, but I, or uh, Roy Williams, but I cannot stand coach K. 
like coach K you already know the first time he goes back to Cameron indoor, it's going to be like an event. Roy Williams just like pops up because Roy Williams loves college basketball. Like he goes to West Virginia games. He's been to Kansas. Like he doesn't need it to be about him. You know, he's like, I'm just going out to the game. Like it's no big deal or anything like that. I just always thought that was funny, but yeah. That's a good point. I never thought about that. We all aspire to be Roy Williams who can just go wherever he wants to and go to a basketball game and just sit. Like you, I feel like that's pretty special. He does that. Yeah, at that point, if you show if Roy Williams shows up at the gate of any arena in the country, he should just be let in. Like there's certain people out there don't that man doesn't buy a ticket. Bob Huggins, that guy doesn't buy a ticket, you know. Yeah. Their money's yeah, no I, good. I, I can only imagine like you're <laughs> you're one of the ticket people. You see Roy Williams walk in. You're like, uh, that'd be forty five dollars. I'm gonna guess that he's not going in the normal exits or normal <laughs> entrances. I never know. He seems like a guy that might, might, might would. He was out in Portland when I was out there. I should have, I should have uh, dabbed up with him. Yeah, you should have sat by him. Well, when I was in, uh, when when we played at the state tournament, when I was in high school, we sat in the in the suites for. It was actually we were watching uh, Lindmar. We were watching Mark uh, Page yeah. play. Yeah, and, I remember he was there. Roy, yeah. yeah, Roy was in the suites sitting right next to us. So that was cool. So I have kind of sat next to him before. Oh, uh, so you, I was like, I was like four rows, like to the left of him, and like in the middle of the section. Like I remember, I looked over my right shoulder and saw the suite. So like, maybe we made eye contact about. We could have, we could have, we could have. We just didn't know. Yeah. 10 years ago, man. It feels like, uh, it feels like 10 years ago. It's been, (laughs) I can tell you. I was just guessing. Was that actually 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. 2012. Me and Marcus were in the same class. Yeah. 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 You're four years older than me. I am. I'm old head, bro. Wow. That's why. You need to show some respect. You need to show some respect to your elders. Now I get why you said your back was hurting. Like you pulled the old car last weekend. Yeah. I was on. I didn't realize you're 37. I get get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, you're like 45 with how many years of college basketball you played. Dude. I, of all people to talk to me about being an old man, I don't think that you're the one. How I do I still have people commenting on my age, bro? You're old. People are older than me and calling me old ass motherfuckers. Like, dude, this one, the one that from the other day killed me. What? What was the guy? Oregon Ducks tight end Cam McCormick considering returning for eighth season and has been granted a ninth year of eligibility. That's it's incredible. Crazy, like. He's actually like eighth and ninth year. Like, and people are tweeting at me. Like I played longer than he is and I'm older than him. That's what's crazy about it. Like, I, <laughs> bro, I am 25 brother. You don't look near as old as Perry Ellis did. I'll give you that. I got it. Yeah. I, I still think and I Perry Ellis didn't even actually, I don't even know if he played more than four years of college. <laughs> it felt like he's he played still playing more now. Four years. I thought he was like an he's assistant a- coach for somebody. No, he was playing overseas, I thought. No, oh, I thought he was an assistant for Kansas or something, like on their grad assistants or one of, or something like that. I don't, I don't remember. Maybe not. All right, man, you got anything yeah, else? He's still, that, uh, he's still playing. He's still playing. I should have known better. That dude's going to be playing forever. He'll probably be playing until he's 65. And he'll, he'll probably look younger when he's 65 than he does than he did when he was 22. Dude, he does look really old. <laughs> There's no way like people can... Dude, did you see the video of uh, this? Had me fucking cracking up today. Uh, a video of Dwight Howard. So he's playing in Thailand. Did you, oh, did Sim Bular, bro. Yeah, playing against still, Sim Bular, dude. Oh my god! I used to love playing with Bular on uh, on 2K, bro. I I used to dominate uh, with him. 
had me fucking crying, dude. Oh my god. What's crazy is Dwight looks like he's five seven compared to that dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was funny because Bomani uh, Jones was tweeting about how you know, he, he, like how incredible it is that Dwight was as good as he was at his size and all these people are like Dwight's huge and all these things like that. And it's like, Dwight's like six, nine or like six ten. Like he is like, don't get me wrong. Like he's a big dude, but like you think about him garden, like some of the guys, Shaquille O'Neal, like Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot three, you know, yeah. like he's five inches shorter. It's Sim Bular's, I think seven, six. It's like, he's a foot, he's like half a foot shorter than him. You know, and he's like three forty, three fifty. That's yeah. a massive human being. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, man. Dwight Howard, dude, he had like 30 points. He had like a triple double or something like that in this first game over there. He did not have a good night yesterday. It looked like though against Simbular. Simbular, he, he was MVP of uh, Thailand's T1 league. I saw. Oh, was he? So he is. Yeah. Last well. year he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Good for him. I'm a big fan of that dude. What do you think? What do you think he makes to play basketball in Thailand? Oh, I bet he makes really good money. I bet he does. Especially, I mean, especially being the MVP of the league. Like, I'm sure that I that's mean, actually. Shit, I could. I bet he makes over five five hundred thousand. I bet probably of yeah. I, I mean, guess I, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize basketball was big like that in Thailand. I guess, dude. Some of these top leagues, man, like they yeah, they pay they pay pretty well overseas. I mean, I guess. Well, they have to pay you for you to go for you to go play in Thailand with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard recruits you. He says, Jordan, I want you on my team. Dude, what do we got? I, uh, I don't know. I've never been to Thailand. Is that like a is that like a good country? I mean, I guess I don't want to offend anybody from Thailand. I don't know oh, much about uh, it. Do we have any Thailand listeners? I mean, it's an island. I think like in the South Pacific. It, I can't be. Oh, no shit. It, can't be too bad. it says Thailand. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could still be an island and be land. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't really. I can't see the numbers, but I would imagine he makes really, really good money. Yeah, man, that'd be that would be an experience for sure. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good Christmas. Enjoy the enjoy the holidays. Hopefully, you don't get too cold when you get back to Iowa. So enjoy your last time in Vegas because I think it's supposed to be like minus fifty two on Thursday. Yeah, I need I need prayers. I have a flight. We play eleven o'clock tomorrow morning um, in Vegas time. Fly out at four thirty. Uh, we booked our flight so we can try to beat the storm. Um, we fly into Phoenix at seven. And we fly in Des Moines around 1130 at night. And I'm going to drive back home to be with my family before the storm hits early on Thursday morning. So I am praying. I need prayers from the listeners. I get to see my family safely. And yeah, I love Christmas, dude. I know. I know this might be cliche, but man, just being spending time with family, bro. It just times like these, like I am very grateful for it because not a lot of people get to experience you know, with family and being close with them and having loving people around. I always, I always cherish these times. Absolutely, man. I agree. Well, uh, so everybody have a happy holidays. We are going to record an episode, uh, next week. So we'll talk to you guys again, uh, here in a week. Peace. Iowa everywhere.